Welcome everybody to part two of Cast Away. We're in the book of Jonah and last week uh, Susan preached from the first chapter. It was a great message. Please go and follow up uh, on our website, viewchurchmilnaton.co.za. It was a great sermon and today we're in the second chapter of Jonah. We're going chapter by chapter in this series. And today, if you like titles, I have a title for you. Uh, it is that God can rescue the castaway. And our focus today is on Jonah's prayer as he prayed from out of the great fish. It's a prayer that commends our close attention. And I believe that we're going to be blessed as we, as we look at the details of this prayer. So, in 1927, a man named John Ambrose Wilson published an article, a well-authenticated article, where he tells the story of a number of sailors that were sailing in, near the Falkland Islands, uh, east of Argentina. These men were hunting whales in a whaling ship. So, they targeted this one whale that, that, that they, they actually stabbed it with a harpoon. But then the world got so upset that it came back for them and it overturned the ship that they were in. So when it did that, it actually swallowed one of the men. And later on, when they had managed to finally catch it, they cut it open and to their surprise, they found the man who was swallowed by the whale. But their greater astonishment was caused by the fact that this man was actually alive, though unconscious. But although he survived, his health was very poor after recovery, and it stayed that way for the rest of his life. But because of the gastric juices which he had exposed, that which he was exposed to inside the, the well, the skin was bleached with a dead white uh, color, uh, and, and it stayed that way permanently. Now, while this was an accident, Jonah's account is not an accident. It was deliberately uh, ordained by God himself as Jonah was trying to flee. And it's interesting as we begin to look at the language of the second chapter, we find that uh, uh, the language indicates that, in fact, uh, this, this is not just a near-death experience, but it's actually death itself. In other words, we're not reading a story of survival, but a story of resurrection from death. And you see, this conclusion actually makes sense because uh, when Jesus was looking for an illustration or was trying to flesh out what his death was going to be like and his resurrection, he actually points back to Jonah and, and, and he says in Matthew 12, verse 40, uh, he says, for Jonah, as Jonah was three days in, and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The big idea uh, of, of the message today is that God is so merciful that he will have us back if we return to him in repentance. So let's do just a little bit of catch up. How did Jonah find himself in this jam, in this situation? And we're gonna to go to the first point that we're making in this uh, sermon. Uh, 
It all started with the fact that God's mercy is beyond human comprehension. Now, Jonah finds himself in a, in, a, in a mess of his own making. God sends him to preach to the Ninevites, and he has a problem with it. He, has, he hands in his resignation and deliberately goes the opposite direction uh, from the direction that God was sending him. But God had not accepted his resignation. Now, Jonah was a prophet of God. Prophets spoke for God. They enforced the law and also the covenant. They spoke against sin and other social injustices within the Israelite community. But when God told Jonah to preach to the Ninevites, he was so reluctant, he didn't want to do it. But why was Jonah so reluctant? Who was he thinking about primarily when he said to himself, I'm going to go away to, to, to uh, Tarshish? There's one assumption, there's several assumptions, but I'm just going to mention one. One assumption is that he was afraid of being killed in a slow, painful death by the enemy, by, by the Ninevites, because these guys were very wicked. They were very evil, and they had no mercy at all, and everyone was terrified of them. But could that be the reason? Was he scared of death? I don't think so, because... When the sailors, when they found that he was a problem in the, in the ship, <laughs> they actually threw him out. He said, throw me into the sea. He was quite happy to die. He wasn't scared of death. We have to let Jonah speak for himself. And for that, we have to go to the fourth chapter. Jonah 4, verse 1 to 2, it says, But it pleased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in, in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So Jonah is talking about something that happened when he was still in his country. Now, what is it that happened that caused him to resign. For that, we have to go to 2 Kings 14. See, in that uh, uh, story, Jonah was sent to speak a message to King Jeroboam. He was a wicked king. And Jonah was happy that finally God was sending him to deliver a message to Jeroboam. But when God told him the message, Jonah is not happy because God said, uh, go to Jeroboam, uh, uh, Jeroboam and tell him that I want to bless him, and I want to enlarge his territory, and I'm going to make his name great. And Jonah, Jonah said, no, but that's, that's the wrong message. That's the wrong message. Why should I go to Jeroboam, who is wicked? I'm supposed to deliver the message of justice and, and punishment because he's been so wicked. He led the nation into idolatry and did all kinds of bad things. But God insisted, go and tell him, deliver the message that I want to, you to deliver. And, and Jonah did exactly that. And what happened? Jeroboam got from bad to worse and worse and worse, and he went, he became more and more wicked. So when Jonah is sent to Nineveh, he understands that these Ninevites are wicked people, 
And as, as a point of reference, he remembers what happened when he was sent to Jeroboam. He has a problem. And what does he do? He resigns. <laughs> because Jonah had come to the conclusion that mercy or grace never works with wicked people. If you bless the wicked, Lord, they will just get worse and worse. And Jonah had come to this conclusion. Never deliver a good message to the wicked. Because you see, these Assyrians, they ruled by terror. They would skin people alive. They would, they would just do all manner of atrocities to just register their dominance. And they were ruthless and extremely violent. So when Jonah is told to go, he has a crisis of faith. And God did not accept this resignation. Because the truth is that this was not Jonah's call to make. Romans 9.15 says, For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. It is God's exclusive prerogative to show mercy. And he can show mercy to any person he so wishes. He's not under anybody's control or coercion. He is God all by himself. Because you know what? And I, I can relate sometimes because sometimes people who don't know the Lord, they can, they can, people can abuse uh, the grace of God and say, oh, God is going to forgive me. He's a gracious God. And they can just go ahead and do whatever they want with their lives. And you can be jealous for God. He is full of mercy. But it is also possible that you can get to the opposite extreme where you think that God won't punish any sin. But Romans 11.22 says, Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust, um, if you continue trusting to trust his, in his kindness, sorry. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. Could it be that you have resigned because of some kind of offense? Jonah was offended by the Lord's generosity. But I know that, that is, there are so many of us who have been offended by something else and we've handed in our resignation. Jonah's resignation caused him to actually relinquish his, his post as a prophet of God. But here's the thing. God insisted. He wanted Jonah and he disrupted his journey to Tarshish because God still wanted him to deliver the message. Here is the thing. What is it that you have resigned from? Is it because of an offense that somebody caused is it because something happened in your life that caused you to just lose any hope and trust in people or the church and you've gone back because you were offended? I want to tell you this. God is so specific about what he wants you to achieve in this life. Your physique is different. The way you look is different. You were designed exactly for what God had in mind. And God is so specific that he... There are things that, you, that will remain forever undone if they're not done by you. And that's why I want to challenge you or encourage you or invite you today 
to reconsider. If you are at a place where you've handed in your resignation, it is important for you to reconsider and, and, and just get back to that place because God still wants to use you. He's a gracious God and you can return to him. The second point that we're making today is this, that God hears the prayer of the backslider. And now we're going to take a look at this prayer that Jonah prayed from the belly of the fish. Now, it's interesting how the prayer is composed of pieces of different psalms, about 11 altogether. Psalm 103, 31, 18, 42, 69, 142, and more. And some have actually dismissed this the book of Jonah, based on this because they think it was somebody who just took pieces of Psalms and put them together. But I have a different explanation for, for, for this, and I believe it's valid. Because as a believer, when you are in distress and you are praying from the heart, you will discover that phrases and snatches and punchlines from hymns and sermons that you've heard over time will actually come from your lips. And I've seen this happen in my own life where I don't know what to say and I just remember a song or a hymn or a, a tagline in a sermon. And those are the words that begin to actually uh, rise up from my heart and all of a sudden I have something to say to God. And if you are a person who has regularly joined in worship and you are found amongst God's people, you will actually find that hymns that you have sung before and songs, you know, that you have uh, sung before will actually come alive when you are in distress. And here's, here's, here's my, my qualification for this statement, actually. Jonah loved to go to the temple. He loved to be among God's people. No wonder that when he's found in a jam, he, has, he remembers, he's able to actually recall some words that have been of encouragement, songs that he learned from the hymn book. But let's look at the letter, a little, uh, the, 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 the prayer, sorry. Because the prayer actually reveals what really happened to Jonah. Jonah is talking about a deliverance that, that has already passed in the prayer. It says in verse 1 and 2, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord, past tense, out of, his, out of my distress. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you have heard my voice. He's talking about a deliverance that has already happened. Now, here's, here's the thing. The language is a language of a drowning man, a man who believes the end of his life has, has come. And in his last moments of, of consciousness, he remembers being thrown into the sea by the, by the sailors. And he probably couldn't swim because Jews hated the sea. And very few of them could, could swim. And he says, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, in verse 3. And the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me. To take my life, the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. He's describing going down and drowning, and life was slowly leaving his, his body. 
and the waters closed in. Oh, he, he, he's remembering coming up and then going down again, and he was sinking and sinking. And in verse 6, you actually read that he, he was uh, at the root of the mountains, and he was, his hair was caught up in seaweed. And as he is in that state where his, his body is becoming more and more lifeless, he remembers two things. The two things he remembers, at least there are many thoughts that could have come in his mind, but two things stand out. He says, I shall never again look at the temple, in verse 4, I shall never see the temple again. He now comes to his senses, oh my goodness, what have I done? What am I about to give up? And the second thing is that he realizes he was going to die. He, he talks of the land whose bars close upon me forever. He's describing death. And then he cries out, from the realm of the dead, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried out. That's what he says in, in verse 2. And, and this was just before he entered the fish. Now, Jonah knew from the book of Psalms that even if he makes his bed in Sheol, which is the place of the departed, that he, he was still reachable by God. Psalm 139 says, if I ascend into heaven, you, sh you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there too. So he cried out to God in that state. With a dead body among the seaweed, God answers the prayer of a dead man. And at that point, through a miracle of resurrection, not survival, life comes back. And this man actually survives. In the next moment of consciousness, he's inside a living creature. He knew that God had rescued him. And all of a sudden, he realizes that God had not accepted his resignation. And he prays in verse 6 that God brought his life from the pit. And in verse 7, he says, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. In that moment of distress, he remembered the Lord. And he says, and my prayer came to you in verse 7 into the holy temple. Now, the most significant thing about this prayer is that here is a man who turned to God in the worst extremity of his time, of his life. He accepts God's justice. He's not blaming anybody. He knew that this was something that he caused by his disobedience. And he recognizes both the justice of God because he deserved to die, but he also remembers that this is a God of mercy and he could actually cry out. And he cried out to God and God heard him. See, it is great when a man acknowledges just how fallen we are and says to God, I surrender my life. I deserve your justice, but I ask for mercy, and God answers. Because you see, when a person recognizes God's justice and mercy altogether and prays, God answers. And I don't know where you are today, but you can call out to God. If you have resigned, if you have detached yourself from the things of God, you can actually come to this place where you say, Lord, have mercy on me. What is the next thing that happens? Now, Jonah did not just pray when he was in a jam. 
He regularly prayed. That's what the, 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 the prayer is actually indicating, that he regularly prayed at the temple. And here is something that we all must take from this. Get your anchor down before the crisis. The man who can pray effectively when things are tough, when they're in a crisis, is a man who has been praying before. See, you cannot make a withdrawal from an account where you haven't made any deposits. The time we spend in the presence of God, the time we, we spend in, in, in church and in life groups, and the time that we spend doing the things of God in quiet time and when we are cultivating values of the kingdom of God, those are the things that will come out when we are under pressure. And for Jonah, he spent time among God's people. He was investing in his own spirituality and maturity. And he was able to actually withdraw. He had a reservoir of things he had learned about God that he was able to draw from in a difficult circumstance. And Jonah's prayer actually reveals that he had the right idea about God. And he was able to pray because he prayed regularly. And he was able to say actually that when I'm out of this, I will pray and offer sacrifices. You will face difficult times. In this life, you will have trouble. That's what Jesus said. He was a realist. He never promised a, 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 a life without any trouble. Some of it caused by others around us, some of it caused by the world, some of it caused by our disobedience, but we will face trouble. They say that uh, the times of peace are the times when the, any country that cares about its security, that's when it's supposed to invest more and more in its security and stability in its defense system. And for the believer, if you are a believer, when God gives you a season of peace, that's when you need to actually cultivate the values of the kingdom. Invest in a book. Invest in sermons. Invest your time in finding yourself among God's people and worship God. Because when times get hard, you are going to actually release whatever it is that you've been depositing in that account. That's what this, this prayer is encouraging us to do. The third thing, and final point actually, is that there is a second chance for the repentant castaway. Verse 8 says, Jonah realizes. In verse 8, listen to what it says. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Because you see, there was a day in Jonah's life when he was a young man, when God just called him. He made a vow that he would go anywhere God will send him. But he had broken this vow by going to Tarshish. And God has a way of redirecting you has a way of taking you back to where you messed up. Because this is what happened. And Jonah says, what, I've, what I have vowed, I will pay. He remembers the importance of God's calling on his life. 
You could be somebody listening to me right now, and you have just resigned. You don't want anything to do with the church because of an, an offense that was maybe rightfully caused by somebody else. And you have resigned. But remember those days when you made that commitment, that vow to God, saying, what I have vowed, I will pay. That's what you need to say. What I have vowed, I will pay. Send me wherever you, you want to send me, God. I will do exactly what you send me to do. But you have detached yourself. I want to invite you to reconsider. Get back to that place. Don't wait. See, that's what this story is teaching us. We don't have to wait for circumstances to be harsh or for disaster to come before we can be awakened to the reality that God still wants to use us. If you are an, an, an evangelist who has detached himself or herself from the, from the purposes of God, I want you to think about this. Because every time you look at an empty chair in a church meeting, you have to remember that that chair represents a Christless eternity. Somebody will not be in, 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 the, in the right place. They will not be in heaven because someone didn't preach to them. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying what I believe is right. I struggled myself with, with, with the calling. Like when, when God told me that he had called me to full-time ministry, I really struggled and somebody encouraged me. Somebody actually rebuked me. <laughs> and then I had to change my mind. Jonah's story is there to teach us that it doesn't have to take a tragedy for us to go back. We need to learn from it and actually do better. Jonah now sees why God had called him. He says in verse 8, Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast, of, uh, hope of steadfast love, sorry. He had deserted his calling, but God is concerned about those that have deserted their loyalty to God, those people that do not know who God is and don't have a relationship with God. God is so patient with us that he would, he would have us back again. And he could have called any, any other prophet to go to Nineveh. But God insisted on Jonah. He is so merciful that he will have us back again if we repent. And in verse 10 it says, The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Jonah was rescued. He was, he, somehow I can say this, that he paid for his disobedience. But God's deliverance of Jonah paved the way for the Ninevites to actually, later on in the story, in the book as you read, the Ninevites repented. Jesus in the New Testament, who is just like Jonah, paid for the sins of the world so that we all might receive life. God wants to reclaim the backslider. He wants to give us a second chance. And I want to talk to these people as I conclude. Two people. First one, the first one is the one who has resigned due to circumstances, whatever they are. 
I want to invite you back to reconsider, serve the Lord, to recommit your life, to say, Lord, I'm available and I'm sorry for what I have done. And God, when your prayer comes from a sincere place, God is able to actually restore you and give you a second chance. To the person that is saying, I don't even know this God, I, I, I don't even know about being lost, or I don't know how to have that relationship with, 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 with Jesus, I want to say to you, grace is available for you. The reason why Jonah's trip to Tarshish was interrupted was because of people that did not know God. So God is always thinking about people that don't know him. And that is why for those of, those of us who have resigned, we are actually depriving other people from encountering the grace of God. The grace of God is available for you today. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that you will touch the heart of anyone who has resigned. Encourage them and bring them to a place where they're going to understand that you are able to take them back if they come in repentance. Right now, I also want to pray for that person who wants to have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that you will make this truth a reality in their heart, that you have mercy for anyone who will cry out to you. I pray that, Lord, you will give them uh, uh, assurance in their heart that truly you can have them back. And when they pray and call to you, O oh God Almighty, out of a heart that is willing to come to you, Lord, may you receive them and assure them that they are your child from that moment onwards. If you are that person that is saying, I want a relationship with Jesus, I want to be in good standing with Jesus, I want to encourage you to make contact with us. Click on the, uh, on the tab, uh, starting out tab, and somebody will make contact with you. It was so good that you'll spend time listening to this word. And I pray the blessing of God over your life. We want to connect with you. We want to hand you practical stuff that you're going to need to as you begin your journey in Christ Jesus. Thank you very much for listening, and I pray that this word may have an impact on your life uh, from today onwards. In Jesus' name, amen.